You're listening to Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford. I'm Nick Schillingford, coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis. In the second half of our show, we have three perspectives on sex work, but we start with the news, starting with local news. An article by staff on Fight Back News March 11th is entitled Minneapolis Teachers and Education Assistants Hold Strong on Day 4 of Strike. The article says the teacher strike continues to hold strong with near 100% picket turnout across all public schools, which the article says remain closed across Minneapolis. The article highlights a regular morning picket schedule as well as afternoon events and rallies. The article says, quote, at the same time as the educators have continued to maintain strong pickets and huge rallies and marches, several community support events have taken place led by Minnesota Workers United, MWU, an organization of rank and file unionists and organizers who work to build fighting unions and provide support to striking workers. The article ends by saying the strike seems likely to move into a second week, which as we have seen, it has done. The title of an article by Becky Dernbaugh and Sahan Journal also on March 11th is Teachers in Minneapolis Adult English Literacy and GED Program Earn Less Than Their K-12 Counterparts. They say the low pay is causing an exodus of teachers and reducing available classes. The article says, quote, Adult basic education teachers earn as much as 30% less than K-12 teachers, end quote. The article says that this is according to Nate Hart Anderson, who teaches adult Learners, the article says Hart Anderson outlined who he was teaching, saying, quote, prospective students are adults studying English, learning computer skills, and pursuing their high school equivalency. No money for educators, but Minnesota funds the police is the title of an article on Left Voice on March 13th. The article by Daniel Alfonso and K.S. Meta says, quote, Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry and Superintendent Ed Graff have repeatedly cited lack of funds to deny the teachers' union's demands, end quote. It says this excuse of fiscal responsibility is always brought out in response to workers' demands, but it continues, quote, Last December, Mayor Fry and City Council agreed to a $1.6 billion budget, of which a whopping $191 million will go to the police, restoring the department's funding to nearly the level it was before George Floyd was killed in 2020. The article contrasts the over 71000 a year, which the average police officer in Minnesota rakes in with the $24,000 a year they expect education support professionals to live on. The article connects the, quote, struggle for black lives with education workers restarting the discussion around bloated police budgets and underfunded schools, ending by saying, quote, that is why the American Federation of Teachers must show solidarity towards this strike by calling for pickets, demonstrations, and marches in every union school in the country, organizing a National Day of Action, 
or at the very least, publishing an official statement of support for the Minneapolis strike. Workers all around must show active solidarity with this strike by donating to the strike fund, taking pictures in solidarity, urging unions to make statements in solidarity, and when possible, walking the picket lines with Minneapolis educators. Solidarity with the Minnesota Education Workers on Strike, end quote. Jason Hardwig, MFT strike captain, and Luke Guitar, MFT steward, write an article for socialistalternative.org entitled, The Money is There, Don't Back Down, Minneapolis Educators on Strike Petition Launch. In that article, a number of steps are outlined for organizing, quote, to build the strongest possible strike to win educators' demands, end quote. And a link is provided to sign a petition in support. Those steps to win outlined on the petition include Saturday, March 19th, huge rally in March of educators and community members. MFT should call a huge march exposing superintendent head graphs anti-public education agenda backed by statewide unions to help mobilize parents, students, and educators to escalate the fight. Show Ed Graff and the school board with a 10,000-strong march. The community stands with MTF. Hold nightly mass meetings of all union members, a place to discuss the day's events and build for the Saturday march. Announce at pickets by strike leaders. Should include the latest bargaining updates and know what proposals are on the table in order to stay united for a strong contract and to organize the right escalation to meet our demands. And keep picketing, going until a tentative agreement is voted on. MFT leadership should not call us back to school until the final membership vote on any tentative agreement. MFT members should vote against any tentative agreement that excludes $35,000 a year for ESPs. Embargo on Russian oil gives gift to energy corporations, deals blow to hopes for peace is the title of an article on Liberation News. Samina Rahman writes on March 9th, quote, the Biden administration announced a major escalation in its sanctions against Russia yesterday with a ban on the import of Russian oil, liquefied natural gas and coal to the United States, end quote. These new sanctions, quote, also block any new investment into Russia's energy sector or in foreign companies that invest in it, end quote. The goal of the sanctions, it says, is to devastate the Russian economy. The article also says gas prices were increasing before the war in Ukraine, and the Biden administration asked the Federal Trade Commission to look into, quote, illegal activity by corporations that might contribute to the increase in prices. But the article says that the idea that U.S. workers now have to sacrifice to help U.S. war efforts in Ukraine, quote, helps cover up this capitalist greed. End quote. The article says ultimately, quote, large oil corporations and their loyal servants in the government stand to benefit while working class Russians experience an economic collapse and workers in the United States see the cost of living creep even higher. End quote. Solidarity has an article March 14th by David Finkel entitled Ukraine's Horror and Beyond the New Imperialist Struggle. The article says, quote, the socialist left doesn't have capacity to intervene. But we have principles and arguments to put forward, especially to our population at home, which is rightly in sympathy with Ukraine, end quote. But it also says we need to highlight the role the U.S. and NATO have played leading up to the current crisis. It's Going Down also has an article entitled The Invasion of Ukraine, Anarchist Interventions and Geopolitical Changes. The article says it is difficult to, quote, know how to position ourselves, given that this overwhelmingly appears to be a conflict with only two sides, and both sides, NATO and Russia, are systematically involved in torture, murder, repression, exploitation, racism, and ecocide domestically 
and around the world. The article also outlines winners and losers. It says, quote, those who lose the most in any war are people and the land. And those who are oppressed in one way or another are the most vulnerable to the violence unleashed. No matter who wins or loses, the bravery of fighting back to defend the collective should be celebrated. But war itself should not be, end quote. Mass anti-war protests held across Europe as Russia's assault continues is the title of an article by Jake Johnson that appears on Common Dreams. On March 13th, the article says in the subheader, quote, In addition to protests in Berlin and London, people took to the streets in occupied Ukrainian cities and in Moscow, despite the threat of arrest, end quote. And now we go to a musical break with Wind is on the Rise by Emmett Doyle. This song, it says, is, quote, dedicated to the victims of the freak winter tornadoes of December 10th to 11th. 2021. This song explores the storms, their climate causes, and the death of workers forced to continue working in unsafe conditions at Amazon and other companies during the storm. Here it is. Straight across the prairie that cold wind blows Now the wind is on the rise Screams through the wood and it lifts up the snow And the wind on the rise Clouds overhead make an anvil of thunder Builds up like smoke round the eye Funnel cloud over and all our lives under And the wind is on the rise Thunder is rolling, the thunder is rolling And the wind is on the rise Thunder is rolling, the thunder is rolling Last of the storms comes late every season And the wind is on the rise Twisters in winter and what is the reason And the wind is on the rise Warm southern winds coming in brimming Spinning counterclockwise Hits with the cold front and sets the sky spinning And the wind is on Thunder is rolling, the thunder is rolling, and the wind is on the rise. Thunder is rolling, the thunder is rolling, and the wind is on the rise. Night's coming down, punching for the shift, and the wind is on the rise. Boxes to sort for the orders and gifts. Walls grown in mercy under the blow Steel buckles under the sky The boss touches stars while we're buried below And the wind is on the rise Thunder is rolling, the thunder is rolling And the wind is on the rise Thunder is rolling, the thunder is rolling Crushed by the weight of the masters we carry And the wind is on the rise The fire kept down and a quake too long buried And the wind is on the rise Then from this ground let the master be warned 
And let the servant get wise Where you plant wind you will harvest the storm Now the wind is on the rise Thunder's rolling, the thunder's rolling And the wind is on the rise Thunder's rolling, the thunder's rolling There's also another song on Emmett's SoundCloud in solidarity with the Minneapolis teacher strike called Working MPLS Blues, which is done in collaboration with Jessica Garraway. We'll include a link to that song in our show notes. That brings us to the second half of our show. We will now hear three perspectives from our listeners and contacts on a question I posted on Facebook a couple months ago. The question was, is sex work essentially just work? If so, how is it similar or the same as other work? If not, What makes it fundamentally different? How should society respond to sex workers and people that pay for sex? Punish them? Regulate them? Ignore them? Something else. And now we go to those responses. The last response has been slightly edited for length. Here they are. My name is Penelope Mace, um, and I live in Minnesota, and I'll have to introduce myself as a revolutionary socialist. Um, And I have been all my life. I, I was what people call a red diaper baby, which means I was raised by old lefties. So it's kind of in my blood to have a class analysis and and that particular viewpoint. So here's the thing about prostitution, and I advisedly use that term instead of sex work, which is the current, you know, um, way it's expressed, because sex work to me legitimizes this in a way that that I find very distressing. And when I say legitimizes, I I don't mean at all that I think that women or men or young boys or girls who engage in this should be arrested, should be persecuted. No, none of that. I'm talking about the whole concept, the idea that everything can be bought and sold, including body parts and acts of intimacy, is a capitalist sensibility. You know, everything's a widget to a capitalist. Your kidneys, uh, your sex acts, you know, everything. That, that is not a socialist or feminist socialist perspective, in my view. Um, now, I want to just say that, you know, years ago, many years ago, uh, because I'm very old, <laughs> I was on the very first Venceremos Brigade, which went to Cuba in 1969. 216 of us went there to cut sugarcane, and we toured the island and talked to a lot of Cuban comrades. And Women Cuban comrades over and over again made this case to me that one of the things they loved and respected about the revolution was that women no longer had to sell their bodies to to support their families. You know, do you know what they called Havana under mob and Batista rule? They called it the whorehouse of the Western Hemisphere because, you know, you could buy 10 year old girls or boys down there for a couple bucks and do whatever you wanted to them. A very capitalist perspective. Now, the origins, I think, of this current, oh, sex work is so cool and such a hip way to make a living thing, is really a very upper middle class, white, bourgeois feminist thing. You know, I think it was really started by by women like that, who, first of all, number one, will never have to be down on their knees in a filthy alleyway performing a sex act to feed their children, never. 
um, and never have had to and never will, never would even consider it. They, they got into this, oh, it's so cool to do this routine, I think, basically to shock mummy and daddy, you know, with their way out views. And, you know, they, they don't know any prostitutes. They don't, they don't know anything about that world. Um, you know, it is a dangerous and, and scary way to make a living. And, you know, yes, so let's talk about legalizing it. Yeah, here in Nevada, where we have a few legal brothels, who makes the money on that? Do you think the women do? Who controls it? No, white men who own those things control that. And if you legalize it, that's what will happen, is that it'll be like any other capitalist enterprise, like Walmart or Amazon or, you know, whatever. A bunch of white, rich men are going to own and control it, and you're going to have a lot of women, including a lot of women of color, you know, who are going to have to work at that and take whatever they're given. Uh, I don't call that a bargain. I think that it should be decriminalized for the woman or the young boy or girl, and the Johns and the pimps should be prosecuted. And I think the ultimate, the ultimate goal under a people's society like a Cuba or you know whatever should be that we don't have to sell our body parts and our intimate acts, you know, in order to make a living. That women have free access to education and all sorts of professions and and jobs and you know, can have a decent life without having to do that. So, and there is a wonderful essay on this, which I wish I was trying to find the link to it. It's by a, a, a feminist collective, a women's socialist collective, some of whom I think were prostitutes once, which, you know, I got a lot of these ideas from, and I want to give them, I think they're called something like survivors or something like that. I can't remember what they call themselves, a survivors collective. And they um, had some very wonderful insights on this. So um, that's where I stand. So the question is uh, whether sex work is work and um, or how should we describe that? Um, so here's my opinion. My name is Liane Gale. I'm originally from Germany, but have been in the United States for a long time. I used to be a scientist and I don't know what I am right now. I consider myself an activist foremost on all and I'm looking for system change. That is kind of like really my focus. So for the question, um, how to, you know, deal with uh, sex work, my question is like, how would sex work look like if women and everybody else did not have to earn a living? And that is kind of like, you know, where I would kind of like base my um, thoughts on. Uh, I think that women have been pushed towards prostitution within capitalism. Um, when we are looking at the transition from feudalism uh, to capitalism in Europe, um, people were pushed off the land and women were also often pushed off the trades. There was kind of a rich tradition of women being in trades and uh, other occupations, but during urbanization and monetization of society, women were actually often not even allowed to earn a living. So um, I was kind of reading in a book, and there was um, Caliban and the Witch by Silvia Federici, is that even when you were a wet nurse providing milk for other people's babies, um, the money would go to a man. So there was hardly any way for a woman to earn a living, so many women were pushed into uh, prostitution. So to kind of then say, you know, this is kind of like um, um, a job like every 
every other job. Um, I would just kind of be very cautious in that. And again, going back, you know, what would, um, uh, how would sex work look like if women really had a choice? So, and, um, you know, from the, it also kind of feeds into the witch hunt, you know, um, where I came across a sentence, a prostitute when young, a witch when old. So prostitutes and witch were kind of um, going hand in hand. So I think, you know, um, sex activities could be organized very differently if uh, we would live in a society that is not based on oppression and patriarchy and capitalism. But uh, how exactly that would look like, I'm, I don't know. But um, right now I um, oppose, you know, the current... Uh, view of uh, sex work and how it's been done. I'm from Germany and sex work has been legalized many years ago. And uh, even though it was well-meaning and, um, you know, it was supposed to be looking like another job and women and other people doing prostitutions were paying taxes, it has been uh, really f led further to the degradation of sex workers. Uh, and there's a lot of sex trafficking from Eastern Europe and there are all kinds of um, places that are really um, just based on oppression and further degradation of sex workers. My name is Andrea, Andrea Phoenix. And um, I guess for me, the question brings up several things like, what is sex work? To me, that would include like sex therapists and sex health educators um strippers pornography stars maybe uh erotic novel writers sex toy designers and manufacturers professional dominants who are usually not having intercourse and then of course you know those who are literally having like sex for money um, and those people actually can sometimes take an educator role in their work. So all of these people are making money some way on sex. And, um, you know, are, are we going to have a society where, like, sex is only done behind closed doors in our own bedrooms with, like, little guidance or exploration outside of that? Or is it going to be a part of being human and are people going to be able to be curious and get information and guidance around sex. So if you're on the side where you think it should just be this like taboo thing done, you know, uh, <laughs> completely outside of the, the public sphere in any way, then I, you know, it's hard to even go to the next part of it so and obviously my stance is that like sex is so much more than just like this taboo subject and um I don't I get really wary of these leftist perspectives that begin to have these right-wing values about sex because sex staying this taboo and like closeted subject is exactly what ends up harming people from like the basics of uh, not knowing how to prevent pregnancy and STIs all the way to um, 
not being able to like fully develop a healthy lifelong sexuality without shame. So (laughs) I feel like we need to be on the right side of that, realizing that um, sex shouldn't be this huge, taboo, shameful subject, because that uh, keeps people from being able to have a like a full sexuality um, in whatever way that works for them. So, you know, if we look at the list of like sex workers I kind of made before, the only one that is generally illegal is those who are having sex for money off camera. Because <laughs> you can do it if it's on camera, <laughs> which is interesting. Uh, if you're a porn star, you're absolutely um, having sex for money. But it's not, you're not getting paid by the person you're having sex with, I guess, is the difference there. So for me, this whole we shouldn't support sex workers, we should just make it totally illegal. And oftentimes they're talking about sex workers as those that are, you know, literally having sex for money. It, it comes from this very idealistic view in some ways of like, no woman should have to do that. So we should just make it illegal. And I think another thing to talk about is that there's lots of jobs under capitalism that are not great, that are harmful to our bodies. You know, if we're just talking about like some manufacturing jobs, which maybe are ruining our bodies, um, things that are like just really awful working conditions, like meat packing workers or migrant farm workers, things like that. Uh, people who have to withstand horrible physical demands on their body and um, horrible mental demands on their, on their mind, too. There's jobs that are like that. But we, you know, as leftists, we seem to be able to grasp the idea that some of these jobs may be not necessary, right? But we still fight for better working conditions and higher wages for these jobs. We aren't saying things like we need to make this totally illegal to do this job. (laughs) At least I haven't heard anything like that. (laughs) So even if you were to decide that having sex for money is something that you know, whatever, after the revolution would absolutely not be necessary, even if that's the case, which is debatable, you would, you would not, in any other job, you would not be saying that this should be illegal. You would be saying, let's fight for rights and better working conditions and everything like that. So... In that case, we need to keep it legal because otherwise the structures that we already have in place in order to give people 
these better working conditions, higher wages, protections under the law that is currently in place. We need this profession to be legalized in some way. And it is difficult because it is illegal in most places. And places that make it legalized, it it doesn't look great. It doesn't look empowering. It doesn't look great for these women. Um, but I think it would be way worse if it were made illegal. Then there'd be no protection, right? And maybe there would be less of it because there generally is. When things are illegal, there's less of it. But how can we say what is better? It, it brings up all these other things about, like, you know, our justice system and everything else. And it is imperfect. And I'm not saying that, like, legalizing it under the constraints of capitalism is going to make, like, sex work, like, really great. But, uh, like, what other job is really great under the constraints of capitalism? So, I... Like, how is this any different? And for us to um, single out this this thing that a lot of desperate women are doing to make money, to single it out is so strange to me as, as like a Marxist. It, it is work. It's, it's work as any other exchange for like goods and services is work. You know, what they are doing to make ends meet is is our basic definition of like of work then yeah it's it's work and it should be protected in some way um we should fight for more rights and that's our show as always you can send questions or comments concerns to socialist.news.views at gmail.com or find us on facebook This has been another edition of Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford.